that that was a clip from uh, the 1993 film Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, most remember that film for Robin Williams dressing up as a hilarious Scottish nanny. But it was that scene that has always stuck in my head. I remember being a young teenager in a movie theatre, which I was with my dad, watching that scene and thinking, no, that can't be it for that couple. And maybe it's because I saw myself in those kids up the stairs, uh, because around five years earlier, my parents had divorced, and that was a bit triggering for me. And while all of us may not strongly react to that scene, some of you may be like me and and uh, reflect on your parents' divorce. Others may see this as a, ver- ver- a version of your own divorce story. Uh, maybe you're a husband who's terrified that one day that scene will play out in your marriage. Maybe you're a wife and you completely sympathise with Sally Field and what she's going through. Whatever your reaction to that film clip or to the interview with Helen earlier, the realities of marriage, divorce and singleness cut so closely to our core. But it is right there that God is speaking to us today. Uh, Let me pray as we turn to God's word. Our Heavenly Father, you know us and you love us. And so help us to hear from you today through your word. And may your Holy Spirit be at work so that we may trust what you say and obey it. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, Please turn up with me again to Mark chapter 10. Uh, Because in our passage today, Jesus is on the move. All of Jesus' ministry so far in Mark's gospel had been around Galilee in the north. But now Jesus is turning for home, as it were, heading towards his fate in Jerusalem. So he comes to Judea, a Jewish territory. But just like in Galilee, crowds are following him and have come to see him and Jesus teaches them that the road to the cross was never easy for Jesus and Pharisees come out to test him. So firstly, this is the test for Jesus. And the test is on the question of divorce. The Pharisees ask in verse 2, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, if you came up and randomly asked me asked me that question in today's world, I'd answer, yes, the law allows divorce, so says the government. But the Pharisees weren't asking about the government law, but the law of Moses. They were asking, according to the law of Moses found in the Old Testament, can you divorce your wife? Now, they weren't testing Jesus according to, does he know what the law says? But this was a controversial topic back in the day. Uh, Jesus would have known this from Deuteronomy 24. So it says in the law of Moses, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, and it goes on from there. And now, so the controversy going along uh, from kind of this point onwards was, what does it mean to have something, find something indecent? 
What does that actually look like? Some Jewish rabbis were saying that anything indecent found in a wife is grounds for divorce. So if the husband found her cooking indecent, that was grounds for divorce. We're all hoping that's not true right now. Other more conservative rabbis were saying, no, it's got to be, it's got to be something pretty bad. You know, if she's prone to particularly being a modest or something like that, then it's grounds for divorce at a more limited view. But there are these two kind of rival camps around this question. And so where will Jesus fall? And therefore, who's going to get angry at Jesus? Which side's going to be angry at Jesus after his answer? But as we read through the scriptures and see Jesus, we see that he has a habit of offending both sides, but disarming them at the same time. And so what he says about the law is, have a look at verse 5. It says, or Jesus says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. And so firstly, divorce is in the law of Moses because of hard hearts. That's why God allows divorce, uh, because of hard hearts. Uh, divorce was not in the law so that you can easily dispose of your wife or your spouse if, if they displease you. Back in the day, most of the power was with the husband to, um, to, to let go of his wife or not. Uh, but that's not what this law is talking about at all. But no, divorce was only included in the law because God knew our hearts are hard. God knows how sinful we can be even in marriage. And so the law was saying in Deuteronomy, if you or your spouse have been so sinful in the marriage or if, if, uh, if something's happened that you need a divorce, then you must give your wife a certificate so that she can prove that she is divorced uh, because women were, single women were very vulnerable back then and marriage would provide her with protection and provision. And so this law was there to protect wives in particular, especially when the husband has been sinful in the marriage. And so Jesus points out that divorce was always a concession. It's never an ideal. And the same is true today. Divorce is a reality in many people's lives because we're all sinful people. It's always tragic because it's been caused by selfishness or unfaithfulness or harshness or neglect or unkindness within a marriage. And it's tragic because like a fallen sculpture, it is the breaking of something which should be beautiful, which should display the love of God. And so commentator Kent Hughes says, divorce is always a tragedy, always a departure from the divine ideal. And it's, it fractures relationships, and sadly in this role I've seen a lot of it. Not just between the husband and wife, but between the kids and the parents. It's so sad when some kids don't ever see or speak to one parent after a divorce. Or if kids are young, it's hard to, to parent kids as a team when there's divorce. And also a fracturing between, uh, between people and their grandkids. 
Some grandparents hardly see their grandkids after divorce. But because we've all got hard hearts, divorce may be the sad reality, even the necessity for some of our marriages. But for those who are single or are still married, our hearts are hard too. And so we must be slow to judge and quick to be kind to those who are divorced. And that's why I asked Helen to share her story so that we can be a church who understands and cares for those who have gone through a divorce, knowing that all of us have hard hearts. And the Bible gives two grounds for legitimate divorce in God's sight. Uh, One is sexual immorality from Matthew's Gospel. Now, it's not like, it's not saying that you have to divorce if there's sexual immorality in a marriage. But it causes such a tear in that relationship. And a rebonding with someone else so that it's a legitimate grounds for divorce according to God. And the other ground is desertion from 1 Corinthians 7. In 1 Corinthians, it's if, uh, if there's a couple and one becomes Christian, and the other person isn't happy with that and they leave, then let them go. They're not bound anymore. And I think in the case of domestic abuse, that would be a form of desertion uh, as well. But both these reasons come from hard hearts within marriage. And so divorced is never good. There's always pain. But it's part of reality this side of Jesus' return. And so as a church, uh, can we show the love of Jesus to those who are divorced? To lead them to repentance where appropriate, but to keep showing them Jesus in the midst of our community? Can we be a church like that? Because divorce comes through the hardness of heart, which we all experience. But Jesus doesn't leave it there as an answer to his testing question. How Jesus answers the question on divorce takes us back to the very beginning, as Greg read to us earlier, as Jesus affirms he affirms God's intentions for marriage. That hasn't worked out very well. Marriage is the word there. Uh, have a look at verse 6. Actually, I'll put it on the screen for you. Jesus said, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So Jesus says, marriage is part of the fabric of creation. And God's design for marriage is male and female. That's part of the essence of marriage. It forms a new family unit as they leave father and mother. It's a unification of two people. Lives are bonded together, both with their lives and with sex. Their bodies are united. And so sex is the good gift of God to a marriage, to bond husband and wife together. And see, it's God who does 
the joining. So it's not merely a human decision or a a legal certificate that brings people together. No, God joins people together, married people together. And so no person is to separate them. If God is the one joining together, only God can separate them. And that is by death do they part. And so Jesus here is taking our focus away from the divorce law that the Pharisees are so hung up over. And he says, no, divorce shouldn't be on the table. And we can get this wrong when we have marriage as, we see marriage as where we find our personal fulfillment. And so you marry someone hoping that they'll bring you meaning and validation to your life. But when that when they no longer do that, then you seek to move on. Or marriage is not something that you try and see if it will work. And like in Mrs. Doubtfire, if it doesn't work, then you end it and maybe move on to the next marriage. This is what Jesus is speaking against, I think, in verses 10 to 11. Uh, if you divorce your spouse, and I take it to mean that divorce your spouse in uh, for reasons that's, that are not the two legitimate reasons that we had earlier... If you divorce your spouse and remarry, then you're committing adultery. You're sinning against your your first spouse. Because what God has joined together has not legitimately been separated. And so God's design for marriage is much bigger than those views of marriage. Bigger than any of those concepts paint. Because have you stopped to think, why is marriage between a male and a female, a man and a woman, apart from the obvious procreation reasons? Well, generally speaking, men are quite different from women in lots of ways. You may have noticed this. Uh, so why did God design for men and women to marry someone not like us? Well, the difference means that we have to choose to love the other person. It's not like a friendship between two similar people. And it's obviously, it's obvious what your friend likes because it's what you like. And so it's easy to love them because you're just doing what you like as well as they like. But in marriage, we're called to do things that we may not like, that may not come naturally to us. We're forced to love sacrificially because the other person is not like you. You need to actively choose to love the other person. And marriage is a relationship where you can trust and depend on the other person. That's how God designed it. You can count on them always being there for you and you for them. No matter what better looks like in your lives. No matter what worse looks like in your lives. No matter what richer or poorer or sickness or health looks like in your lives. And so Jesus says, verse 9, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You mean even if we fall out of love with one another? Or even if we keep getting annoyed at that thing that they do? Even if they've made a bad financial investment and now life is really hard? Jesus' principle is marriage is not to be separated by any person. 
But remember who is calling you to this if you're married. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who is our spiritual husband. And Jesus is in a very difficult marriage because he's married to me. He's married to you if you're Christian. And if you're like me, you stuff up this spiritual marriage all the time. In what I do, what we do, we hurt Jesus. And yet, Jesus sacrificially loves us. He lays down his life for you. He loves you despite the number of times that you've hurt him or let him down or been unfaithful or been ashamed of him. Jesus is seeing it through with you. What a husband he is. And so he calls you to honour marriage as he honours his marriage to us. Of course, yes, there are legitimate reasons for divorce because God knows that we are sinful. And so there are times where that happens. And if there's domestic abuse in, in a relationship, then it may well be best to find a place of safety and rest, a refuge away from the abuse. But Jesus here affirms God's intentions, God's intentions for marriage, that it's a sacrificial, committed relationship of love, just like the love that Jesus has for us. And so if this is what marriage is, if this is what... Uh, God has ordained and Jesus has confirmed marriage is to be. Well, what might that mean for us today? Well, firstly, it may mean that marriage, or it means that marriage is not for all. Uh, in Matthew's account of this same uh, episode, uh, he records that the disciples said to Jesus, if this is a situation between a husband and wife, that is, marriage is for life and you can't just get rid of a spouse so easily, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. She's saying marriage is a big deal. It's a major commitment. It will determine the course of your life, probably more than any other decision you'll make other than turning to Christ. You've got to be willing to accept marriage and all that it entails. And so for some, marriage is not the best thing. It's not the thing for them. Or marriage might just not come their way in life. But Jesus honours singleness in his life as a single man and in his teaching as a wonderful way of serving God and pointing others to God. And so it's okay if you never marry or if you never get remarried or if your children never marry. They won't miss out on Jesus as their husband if their trust is in him. Secondly, for those who are single and maybe heading towards marriage or uh, people that you know in this situation, don't enter into marriage lightly or quickly. Marriage is for life. And hopefully you'll be alive for a long time. 
And so it may be wise to wait a little longer, to sort yourself out a bit more before you inflict yourself on another person, to recover from something that's happened to you, to get to know who you are in Christ so that your faith isn't reliant on your partner's faith, to work at making your own friends and keeping friends, to think through whether this is not just a good idea for now, but will it still be a good idea in 40, 50 years' time? In marriage, you're joined to the other person for life. And so it's not the worst to take a little longer to grow yourself and to think it through as as, uh, it may be a wise idea. Uh, Thirdly, You're married until you're not married. In a marriage that is hard, you may choose to separate for a time or even permanently. But during that time, you're still married until divorce or death. And so, uh, there shouldn't be any, you shouldn't be dating other people. You're married until death do you part or you're divorced legitimately in God's sight. Uh, And finally, uh, what if you're unhappily married? Uh, This is... I've prayed a lot over this, uh, because I want to acknowledge that every marriage is different, every situation's different, all marriages have difficulty... And so I'm trying to be as careful as I can as I speak generally. Uh, Can I suggest, if there's unhappiness in your marriage, uh, look inside your heart first. So husbands, how are you going at being sacrificial to your wife? Are you living up to God's call to love your wife as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her? Are you willing to give up your selfishness in order to do good for your wife, to do what will help her, to do what she needs to thrive in your marriage. And wives, are you treating your husband with respect? Are you encouraging him in his role as husband? Are you using your words to build him up rather than belittle? Start by looking at your heart first. But then I take also from the words of Jesus today that if you're unhappily married, your first reaction should not be divorce. Jesus is calling us to focus on what God has done, bonding the two of you together so that you, uh, so, so what would it look like? What might it take to mend your marriage? Maybe you need to communicate how you're feeling to your spouse. They can't be part of the solution if they don't know the problem. But they should know the problem, isn't it obvious? Even so, you should tell them. Maybe it would need counselling or other intervention. Maybe it will need the support and willingness of your spouse. But in all this, as you look in, as you look to the relationship, look also to Jesus. Look how he even gave up his happiness to endure the cross, to be married to you. Look to Jesus, 
And don't bear this alone. Maybe keep the circles close so there's not gossip or um, maligning of your spouse, but have someone to walk alongside you who will point you to Jesus and give you wise counsel along the way. There are some thoughts on how we might live this out as God's people, recognising that divorce is a reality, so let's care for those who are divorced. But seeing what Jesus has done to love us as an example of how we are to sacrificially love one another uh, in marriage. Let me pray. Oh, Father, we're reminded again of our hard hearts. And as we've prayed already this morning, forgive us of our sin, whether uh, within a marriage or not. And thank you for Jesus who calls us to honour marriage. For he is our faithful husband who is infinitely trustworthy and always acts for our true good. And so I pray for the marriages in this church. Please fill them with thankfulness, commitment, faithfulness and other person-centred love. And we pray for those who are divorced. We pray for those who are single. Thank you for your love for them. And may we be a community of love to them also. We ask all these things because love is not from ourselves but from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.